We are to be faithful people, committed to the cause, not knowing everything there is to know, not understanding everything that we have to know right off the bat. This is a growth process. It's a maturity process. We don't expect children to be able to file tax returns. That's not the idea. As Christians, we have to work at this. We have to grow at this. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is taking examples from Scripture of how people were fallible and capable of making mistakes. But they were faithful. They were faithful. Let's start off with Abraham. Abraham was fallible. Abraham made mistakes. We have examples throughout Scripture of how he was this person who didn't always make the right decision. One of the most prevalent ideas was in Genesis chapter 16. God tells Abraham, you're going to have a child. And this child is going to be the promise. He is going to be the one that is going to carry on this promise that I've given to you that from your seed all nations of the earth will be blessed. Now Abraham started trying to think for himself on this rather than listening to the plan of God. And he said, you know, I'm old. And, and Sarah's old too, so how are we going to have this child? How are we going to bring a child into the world when we're, we're old? We can't do this. And so he says, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll help God out. When has any story started out well with that? I'll help God out. I'll figure this out for myself. And for time's sake, we're not going to read the whole chapter. But for summary's sake... Sarah had a handmaid by the name of Hagar, an Egyptian. And Sarah tells Abraham, well, just take my handmaid and we can have a child through her. And that child will be the promise seed. That child will be the one that God was talking about. Long story short, Abraham listened and God said, that was not what I had in mind. That was not what I told you was going to happen. And as a result of that, they had a child whose name was Ishmael. And God made a prophecy about that child and said that his entire life people would be against him and his descendants as well. There's consequences to turning away from God's plan. If Abraham had just listened to God and said, I'm going to have a child through Sarah, which is what God promised, and if he had faith in that and not made that mistake, we wouldn't have had the line of Ishmael and all the issues that were caused throughout history all the way up till now. There's consequences to standing against God's plan. But that was it, right? Abraham only made one mistake? Well, not exactly. Genesis chapter 20 and again earlier on in the book as well, Abraham had an issue with self-preservation. He thought for himself that, oh, I can just try to work my way out of certain situations, and that'll work out well for me. Well, specifically in Genesis chapter 20, Abraham and his wife come before a king by the name of Abimelech. And in this situation, Abraham thinks to himself, my wife is the most beautiful woman on the face of this planet, as any good husband would say. So, automatically, I think, okay, this is a king... He'll see my wife, he'll want her, and he'll kill me to get her. So in the nature of self-preservation, Abraham says, 
Well, she's my sister. Now, this is not the first time that Abraham tried this either. This is the most ironic part of the story. Is the fact this wasn't the first time he tried it. It wasn't the first time it didn't work out the way he intended it to. See, the first time this happened was with Pharaoh. He went before the Pharaoh in Egypt and he said the exact same line. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? If I run into a wall the first time, the second time is not going to become a doorway. But that's exactly what Abraham tried to do here. See, the first time he tried this, God was going to destroy Pharaoh. He was going to wipe out people who were doing something they did not intend to do. And God comes to Abimelech as well. After this lie has been told, after Abraham has told Abimelech that this is my sister, God comes to Abimelech and says, you've taken what doesn't belong to you. You've taken what doesn't belong to you, and as a result of this, there is going to be punishment coming unless you turn this around. Unless you change from what you've been doing, this is not going to end well. So Abimelech goes to Abraham and he tells him, what have you done to me? You told me she was your sister. What are you doing? Let's not forget the seriousness of what just took place here. Yes, Abraham told a lie, and for us sometimes that doesn't seem like the most serious thing. Which God does condemn lies in its own sense, that that is wrong. So yes, Abraham committed a sin, but this was a sin that wasn't just going to affect him. See, this wasn't a sin that just was going to condemn Abraham. This was a sin that was going to condemn a large group of people who had nothing to do with it. There's consequences to actions. There's consequences to when we stand against God and when we try to do things our own way versus what he has laid out. You see, in our own mind, we think, oh, that was smart. That was smart of Abraham to do because, you know, he, he might have been killed. This was the ancient world after all. But Abraham had forgotten who was in charge. Abraham had forgotten who was the God who had power. See, what Abraham had done was he had looked at God and said, I know you have power to protect. I know you've made a promise to me, but I don't think you're capable of keeping it. I don't know if any of us want to line up and stand before God and say, hey, you can't do what you said you were going to. Because think about that. If Abimelech had killed Abraham, what promise had failed? The promise that through his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Hmm. Abraham was telling God, I don't have faith in you. I don't trust in you. I think I can figure this out myself. And friends, people haven't changed all that much. Today we tend to have this attitude of, oh, I'll figure everything out on my own. I don't have to worry about what God has to say. This is just my own thing. If we could get ourselves to heaven, why on earth did Jesus die on a cross? 
If we could take care of everything ourselves, why on earth was God needed in the first place? Why is the Bible needed if I can figure everything out? See, mercy, grace, all that is needed. Because we will make mistakes. We are fallible people. We do cause issues. We do make mistakes. And if this was the end of Abraham's story, we'd think, man, this guy's got issues. And the reality was, yes, he made mistakes, but Abraham was also faithful. Now, we might think after what we just talked about, though, well, uh, I don't see the evidence of that yet. But Abraham was faithful. So how was he faithful? See, Abraham was faithful when he left Ur of the Chaldees. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. That's Hebrews chapter 11. This passage here is often regarded as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And starting with verse 8, it says, notice this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham heard what God had to say. He had faith in what was going to happen, and as a result of that, his faith motivated him to action of, I'm leaving home. And notice what the rest of that passage said. Not knowing where he was going. We're getting close to the end of summertime. Starting to, well, I guess we're midway through, but for most of vacation season's pretty much over, unless you have your last minute plans. Imagine for a moment that your family member comes in and says, hey, we're going to go on a trip. You're like, awesome, where are we going? I have no idea. How long are we going to be gone? I have no idea. Do we have plans for anything? I have no idea. Are there hotels where we're going? I have no idea. Are there gas stations where we can fill up the car? No idea. Are we taking the car? I don't know. How many of you are signing up for that trip? I see some hands. So some of us might do it just as a novelty. It's like, oh, that sounds fun. I have no idea what's going on, but let's go. Did that takes some faith, does it not? Faith in the person that you're not going to end up dead on that trip? That you're not going to be stranded in the middle of who knows where with who knows what? Abraham had faith in God. He was committed to this. He said, God told me to go. So I'm going. And before we say, okay, well, that would have been fairly easy to do, Abraham was in the most advanced city of its day. They had indoor plumbing. That was a big deal back then. He had one of the most advanced lives in a wealthy nation. But God said, you're going to pick up, you're going to leave, and you're going to live in tents. That takes some commitment. Take some faith. Sometimes it's hard for us to say that we need to get out in the heat and go door knocking. He had faith in what, what his God could do. So yes, he had lapses of judgment like we talked about before, but he was faithful in this moment. But let's notice another example. He was faithful in sacrificing his son. 
Now, some of you might read that and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't actually sacrifice him, right? He didn't kill him. But we know from reading Scripture that in his own mind, he had. In Abraham's own mind, that knife was already in his son. It was already over. And we read, going back to Hebrews chapter 11... Let's notice what he did next. By faith, he not knowing where he was going, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs in him that, of the same promise. For he waited for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we see this is Abraham's base level, right? He understands who God was. He's looking for this city that God was going to build. But let's skip ahead to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Notice this verse 19. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. From what we know in the scriptures, had Abraham ever seen God raise someone from the dead? He had never seen that. He had never seen God raise someone from the dead and that person continue to live on. But he had faith that this was going to happen. Why? Because God made a promise that through Isaac all nations of the earth will be blessed through that seed. So in his own mind, he concluded, God wants me to kill him. So I'm going to have to do that. But I'll tell you what he's going to do. My son is going to be sacrificed, but he's going to be raised again. God's going to bring him back from the dead to continue living because God does not break his promises. It's interesting that Abraham was told to offer his son and he thought he was going to rise again. He did not have to kill his son. But God sent his son who was killed, was sacrificed, and did rise from the dead. It's an interesting thought, is it not? The sacrifice was made. But it was going to come through the seed of Isaac, not through Isaac. He was faithful to this because he, in his own mind, he said, this is it. I have to do this. Now, some might look at that and say, you see, God is okay with human sacrifice, and that's just a terrible thing. But what did we see actually happen there? God said, no. Not him. He was testing Abraham's faith. What do we read about Abraham that God says? That Abraham was going to raise his children after him? God knew that about Abraham. God knew that Abraham was going to be faithful and he tested that faith. I'm reminded of Job. When Job is living a good life, he's following after the Lord, the devil comes before the Lord and says, hey, 
He only serves you because you're blessing Him. He's only okay with you because, well, you're making life easy for Him. God allowed the devil to test Him. God allowed the devil to cause Him problems and see what was going to happen. But God also knew His servant. He also knew what was going to happen. He knew that Job was going to stay faithful. And he blessed him for it. See, Abraham, he did show his faithfulness in sacrificing his son. He did show that he was committed to the Lord. And we read of Abraham in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Now, many of us already would have written him off, said, okay, no, he already made too many mistakes. I can't trust him. But God called him faithful. Let's look at another example. What about Moses? Moses, the great hero of the nation of Israel, right? He was fallible. He made mistakes. See, he was fallible when he argued with God. In Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 11, going to chapter 4, verse 18, this is a whole conversation of Moses telling God, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. You need to find somebody else. God tells Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him to let my people go. Moses says, well, I, I, I can't speak well. God says, okay, take your brother Aaron with you. He says, but, but it's Pharaoh. God says, I made the ground he walked on. Every excuse that Moses gave, God gave a reason why he should go. He showed his power. He tells Moses to stick his hand into his cloak, to pull it out. What happens? It becomes leprous. He says, stick it back in. He puts it back in, takes it out again. It's clean. What's God saying? I have power over life and death. I have power over the very ground you walk on. I can turn that staff of yours into a snake. He says, and you're scared of a king. Moses had his fear of failure, his fear of I'm not good enough. And God corrects it. He was fallible in that sense. Friends, today you and I do the same thing. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. The thing that holds us back is ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. Because you and I, we know when we look in the mirror, we can see all the mistakes we've ever made. We can say, oh, I know I did this back in the day, or I know I did this, and I... Who am I to tell anyone? We do realize that preachers are people too. We make mistakes. We fail every now and again. Moses, Abraham, Elijah, David, all these examples. This, this list that we have today, we're only going through four. This is not exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination. Friends, you and I have the exact same opportunity, the exact same chance the exact same usefulness to God as Moses, Abraham, David, etc. 
These weren't supermen. These were just people who decided to follow after God. And God can use you and me just as much. The question is what we're willing to do with that. One person who's committed to a cause is more dangerous than 500 that aren't. That's the reality. See, Moses made mistakes. He said, I'm not good enough. I'm not the one that you need. You need to find someone else who's a better speaker. You need to find someone who's better. And God says, I picked you. I know what I'm doing. When we become a member of the Lord's church, we take up the charge. We're committed to the cause. We're going to push forward. We're going to do what God has asked us to do. But we can oftentimes cause ourselves trouble by thinking, I'm not good enough. But what else? Moses is also fallible when he disobeyed God. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 11 and 12 in particular, Moses is standing before the people. God tells Moses to speak to the rock. He told him to hit it the first time. He tells him to speak to this rock and water is going to come out to the people. And what does Moses say? He listens to all the complaining, all the bickering, all the fighting. He says, here ye rebels, must we fetch you water from this rock? What did he just do? Who's fetching the water from the rock? Moses was right to be frustrated. It's an aggravating thing when people don't have enough faith in the Lord that they're not committed to Him to the point they're just going to sit and complain about everything. But Moses left God out of the equation. And what did God say to him? Because you did not believe me to sanctify me before the people, you're not going into the promised land. But Moses, he knew water was going to come out of the rock. But he didn't do what God had to say. Friends, if we're not willing to do what God says today, we do not believe in him. If I think I can get to heaven by any other way than what God has said, I don't believe in him. Because I say to him, I know what you said. I know how you feel about this, but I want. And what I'm saying there is, I might believe you exist, but you're not my God. That's very serious, is it not? That's a serious thing to say to the Lord. But friends, all across this nation, all across this globe on this very morning, there's people doing that. There's people who are saying, I'm a member of the Lord's church. I follow after Him. I'm a Christian. And they don't know what name they're wearing. Because their life doesn't follow suit. Their actions don't say what God has to say. When we stand against the Lord and we say, I'd rather do what I want to do instead of what you say, I'm telling God, I don't believe in you. Moses was fallible. And as a result of that, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. He was not able to see everything that was offered to his people. The thing he was leading them to, he never got to go in. 
Friends, when we don't believe in God and we disobey the Lord, we're not able to go into the promised land He's offered us. Not because God is so mean and ugly and He just doesn't know how hard the world is. But because to disobey God is to remove ourselves from Him. And we can't be where the Lord is if we sever that relationship with Him. It's our choice. But Moses was also faithful. Moses made mistakes. Yeah, Moses messed up. But Moses was faithful when he went to Pharaoh. He could have kept arguing with God and kept saying, no, 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 you need someone else. But Moses went. He stood before Pharaoh. He showed the signs that God had told him to do. He sent the plagues that God told him. And Moses led the people out of Egypt. Moses led them to the promised land. Even though he himself didn't get to go in. He was faithful. This Im- I thought this image was really cool. I-, I was just looking online and looked up Moses, and this was the image that popped up. That's pretty impressive, is it not? What did Moses say right before that happened? Stand still, pay attention, and see the salvation of the Lord. That takes some faith. He was committed. He made mistakes. He got frustrated. He allowed the people to get under his skin. But he remained faithful to the Lord. But he was also faithful when he led the people as a whole. He led the people through the wilderness. He led the people out of Egypt. He led the people to the very gates of the promised land. And he was faithful through that time. He made mistakes during that time, absolutely. But we don't read of Moses as being a lost person. Moses even was able to stand in Matthew chapter 17, stand before Jesus and talk to him about his his death. Moses was a faithful person. Friends, just because you and I make mistakes... Just because you and I can fail doesn't mean we're lost. Because a faithful person continues on. A faithful person says, yes, I made a mistake, but I'm going to keep coming back. Now, this isn't a predetermined thing of, well, I'll just go sin over here and I can just make it right later. That's like a husband or a wife telling their spouse, I'm going to go cheat on you, but I'll be back tonight for supper doesn't work, does it? That doesn't work. We're either all in or not at all. There is no middle ground. Moses was faithful to the Lord. He was committed to the cause. What about David? David. I asked for the scripture reading this morning to be read because that pretty much sums up this sermon this morning. What did God say, through or inspired writers speaking, 
What did they say about David? That he was a man after God's own heart. Really? A man after God's own heart who committed adultery? A man after God's own heart who killed a man? David was fallible. David sinned. He turned against God. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, he literally did everything you could possibly imagine as wrong. The time frame was wrong. He was supposed to be at the battlefield, not on his rooftop. He was supposed to be with his men. Instead, he was where he wasn't supposed to be. He's up on the rooftop. He sees a woman bathing. What does he do? He leaves immediately, right? Like any sane person should do. No, he stayed and he watched. He stayed and he watched. So then he said, oh, that was wrong. I'm sorry, I'm making that right. No. He allowed those thoughts to fester to the point he says, I want her to come to my house. And then when she gets there, he says, oh, no, this was too far. I made a mistake. I'm done, right? No, he went through with it. Every single step of the way, he made the wrong decision. And then once it was all said and done, he now has the husband to deal with. And rather than making it right, answering for his crime, he decides to try to bury the evidence by taking an innocent man's life. Fallible is a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> David had rejected not only God, he had rejected basic decency. So how on earth can that man be called a man after God's own heart? How on earth could he be called faithful? See, David showed faith when he fought against Goliath. That image right there is probably one that immediately y'all were thinking about when we were talking about faithfulness. David said, God delivered the mouth of the bear, the mouth of the lion. He's going to deliver this Philistine into my hand as well. He had faith in the Lord that he was going to see him through. Even when the rest of the army did not believe in God. They thought it was all over. The Philistines were going to walk all over them. They have a nine and a half foot tall man. We've lost. But they forgot about what took place in their past. They forgot what God they were serving. David didn't forget. David understood the Lord he was serving. And a little shepherd boy went against the giant. And defeated him. He was faithful. He was committed. See, the world likes to look like this giant. It likes to give the image that it's so strong and powerful. And you're just going to be destroyed in the process. Friends, Rome looked pretty tough, did it not? They conquered most of the known world. 
But a carpenter from Judah started a movement that brought an empire down. The same movement you and I are a part of today. The very same movement. But are we as committed as they were? See, David saw who he was serving. He saw what he was up against and said, this is nothing. We just talked about all the sins that David had committed and how wrong he was for that. But Psalm 51 tells us the heart of the man who committed those acts. When he was told what he had done wrong, when Nathan the prophet comes before him and tells him that story of this lamb that was taken by a man who it didn't belong to, David's shepherd boy comes out and says, that man needs to be punished. And David looked at, or Nathan looked him in the eye and said, you're the man. Friends, how many sermons do we sit through? How many devotionals do we sit through? How many lessons do we sit through? How many times are we reading the Bible and we read an account and we say, yeah, people should be punished for this when we're the ones that are doing it? When we're the ones that are committing the act. But I can't see myself. Instead, I see everybody else. Friends, we need to make sure that we have the heart that David had, where he looks at the sin he had committed. It says he watered his couch with tears. He was brokenhearted. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He wanted to come home. He knew he had strayed from the Lord and he didn't want to stay there anymore. Do we have that same heart? The heart that says, I know I've done wrong. I know I've made mistakes. I know that I need to make this right. And no amount of pride can stop me from doing it. David was faithful. And so he was called a man after God's own heart. But finally, what about Peter? Peter was fallible. Peter made some pretty serious mistakes. Peter was fallible when he became distracted. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 33, he's walking on the water. He's standing there. Jesus told him to get out of the boat. Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat. He's walking on water. Once more for emphasis sake, he's walking on water. And what does he do? He begins to look around. He sees the storm. He sees the thunder. He sees the rain. He sees the waves. And he looks at Jesus and says, help. He begins to sink. He lost sight of who was in front of him. I'm sure you and I have done the same many times. We're living the Christian life. We're walking the way God has asked us to walk. We're reading His Scriptures. We're studying more. We're trying to grow. And things are going good. But then the world creeps in. 
I begin to be distracted by the things that are around me. And I say, well, we're, we're losing on all fronts. The world is just so immoral. It's so wrong. And God says, that hasn't changed. That's been the case since I was around. It was the case before I was around. In Genesis chapter 3, 100% of the world was in sin. It's not worse than it is today. We have a Lord who is capable of overcoming. We have God's Word that we can study, we can learn from, we can grow, we can face the problems of this world, but if we take our eyes off of Him, we have no hope. We have to stay committed, stay focused. Peter was also fallible when he denied the Lord. Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75, Jesus is standing in the trial. And one of the people notices Peter and says, hey, you were one of his. You were one of his followers. Peter denies it. He says, no, I'm not one of his. They keep pressing him. He says, no, I'm not one of him. I don't even know him. One account says he even began to curse. He changed every aspect of his identity in order to say, I am not one of Christ's because he was scared. He was afraid. He was afraid of putting himself in the place of standing by Christ. He rejected the Lord. It's interesting to me when I read what happened next. When Jesus turns, he looks at Peter. They made eye contact. And just previously, Jesus had told Peter, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And I just can imagine Peter looking him in the eye, and those words come back like a haunting ghost. And it's almost like Jesus said, I told you so. And what do we read of Peter next? It says he left weeping bitterly. He denied one of his closest friends. He didn't have enough faith and commitment to him to stand with him in the darkest moment. Peter made mistakes. Peter was fallible. But Peter was also faithful. Peter was also faithful to the Lord when he confessed the Lord. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. What does Peter say? You are the Christ. You are exactly who you said you were. I believe it. Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. The confession that you made that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that I am the exact person who was prophesied, the Messiah, that was mentioned all the way back in the prophets. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter was faithful. But Peter was also faithful when he preached the word. See, if we just read the account we just talked about earlier where Peter had rejected Christ, it would be a heartbreaking story of a betrayal of a friend. 
But on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the twelve. He stood there with this huge crowd of people and began to preach the very Christ he had denied. He says, you have taken by wicked hands and crucified the Son of God. Notice Peter didn't lump himself in there. Why? That was already fixed. Peter wasn't standing there on the day of Pentecost before these people, a guilty man. He stood before those people, a saint, a follower of Christ, an apostle. He had made right the mistakes he had made. And according to history, he was killed for his faith. Peter didn't make the same mistake the second time around. He was committed to the Lord. But he was also faithful when he preached the word to Cornelius and to his household in Acts chapter 10. See, Peter understood what a lot of the Jews at that time were struggling with. Peter understood after being taught by Christ, again, sometimes God has to slap Peter and put him in his place. But Peter taught the sermon, preached the sermon that God is accepting all people. Those who follow after him, those are his people. Not the Jews, not just the Gentiles. All who want to come to him have that opportunity. That was the sermon that he preached. And in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his household were baptized into Christ. Gentile Christians. Those who now were naming the name of Christ, were following after him, were committed to the cause. That's an exciting thing to preach. It's an exciting thing to talk about. See, Peter was faithful. He made mistakes, just like all these other heroes of the faith we talk about. They made mistakes. But in the end, whose side were they on? What about you and me? Can God look at you and me and say, blank, fill in your name, is fallible, makes mistakes, but is faithful? Maybe this morning you can't say that. Maybe this morning you know there's things in your life that you haven't made right. You know that you're standing opposed to God. And maybe you're just holding on. You're just sitting there waiting. Maybe there will come a convenient season. King Agrippa said the same thing to Paul in the book of Acts. Almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I don't want it just to be part of the way. I want you to be altogether convinced, committed to becoming a Christian. Almost is not enough. Because almost is standing at the door of salvation, standing at the door of being right with a relationship with God, standing there looking at it. You can see through, you can see the blessings that are awaiting you. You can see the home in heaven that God has prepared for you, but you just won't walk through. 
Outside, there is no blessing. There is no home in heaven. But you can change that today. You can walk through that door. How do I walk through that door, you might ask? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to know what we're talking about. We have to hear the Word. According to Romans 10, 17, that's how we receive faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Once we hear the Word, once we know what we have to do, it's a matter of believing it. Believing it to be true, John 8, 24, I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. And this isn't just acceptance of, yes, I believe the Bible is true. This is committing to follow it. So much so that I'm willing to repent of all of my past sins. That change in mind that says, I've been following the wrong path for all this time. I'm going to follow after a different path. I'm going to follow after Christ. According to Acts 17.30, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now He commands all men everywhere to repent. And once I've decided to change my path, to follow after Christ, I have to confess His name. I have to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is exactly who He said He was. I'm going to follow after Him. Romans 10.10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now when we go through these steps, we're not saved at any particular point of this. We're saved when we achieve it. When we come to the point where Christ has laid out the plan, it's not enough just to say, well, I repent. I make everything right. I'm going to follow after Him because we cannot save ourselves from our sins. I wasn't the sacrifice for anyone. I can say, I'm not going to do that again, but I have no access to salvation. I can confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's exactly who He said He was. I'm committed to Him. But I'm still not there. How do I know that? 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting the way the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. I know I'm in the wrong. I know I'm separated from Christ and the only way to Him is through baptism. Being buried, raised to walk in newness of life, according to Romans 8. And once I've been buried, once I've been raised to walk in that newness of life, all those sins are washed away. No more guilt, no more fear, no more shame. And I can be faithful. All the mistakes I've made in my past, they don't matter anymore. I move forward. But maybe you became a Christian, you were a member of the Lord's church, you had that moment, you understand that your sins were washed away in the past, but maybe you allowed things to creep back in to where you're not where you're supposed to be. Maybe you're like Abraham. Maybe you're like Moses. Maybe you're like David. Maybe you're like Peter. But we haven't gotten to the second part. You've made mistakes that you know have separated you from Christ. And you want to change that this morning. Only you can make that choice. Only you can be committed to that cause. Only you can come to Christ and say, I want to make this right. But maybe you're not quite sure yet. 
Maybe you say, I, I want to, but I just I want to know for sure what I'm doing. You don't have to leave these doors today without knowing. We'd be happy to sit down and study with you. Sit down and open God's Word, because it's not about what I say. I'm just a, a young man in a pulpit. That's all it is. It's not about what I say. It's about what does He say. It's about the Word of God. It's about what He revealed to you and to me. What will your answer be? Will you make your life right with the Lord today? In whatever way that is, do you want to leave these doors faithful or just fallible? The choice is yours today as together we stand and as we sing.